Hi, and welcome to another episode of Nothing to Hide. My name is Kevin, and on today's episode, we have a very special guest, the very first guest ever to be on my podcast, and I'd like to introduce my neighbor. Hello. So, as you know, um, we are living in some unprecedented times, very unpredictable uh, times, and I thought it would be good to have someone that I consider uh, very close to me to share perhaps some thoughts and ideas of uh, what life has been like since uh, the start of this uh, pandemic. Uh, before we get into it, though, uh, not to kind of start off on a, on a negative note, I just want to update uh, all of you as well as my lovely neighbor of uh, all the different um, changes that have taken place so far. So you may or may not know, but uh, as of right now, uh, and likely uh, counting, um, Ontario, or no, excuse me, uh, I think, no, yeah, Ontario, Ontario has mm -hmm. 500 confirmed cases of people uh, infected with uh, the coronavirus. Um, the United States alone has uh, 500 deaths really? of individuals, yeah, um, of people infected from the coronavirus, that. yeah. Um, Quebec, province of Quebec, has uh, uh, enforced a, a new, uh, well, they've actually uh, declared a state of emergency, as well as like Ontario, but they've also mandated that all non-essential businesses be closed. So shops like my dad, he's like, um, I don't know, he like he fixes shoes, he's like a cobbler, so he no longer can open his store. Um, uh, the city of Toronto, uh, which is where we are right now, um, they have also as you hear like sirens going by. I've been hearing sirens all day. All day. There's yeah. a big fire downtown. Yeah. There was a historic building in downtown Toronto that uh, had an explosion that triggered the fire. And there's some controversy around that because developers wanted to turn that into a condo. Yeah. But it's because of the, it's considered a historic building and because of the historic laws, yeah, they're not allowed to lock it down. But now depending on the extent of the damages, they may just knock it down and they may just build a condo, but neither here nor there. Um, yeah, uh, the city of Toronto has also mandated that uh, all non-essential businesses be closed. Um, Vancouver, I'm not sure if it's uh, the province of British Columbia, but I know specifically Vancouver, the mayor has uh, enforced a new uh, law that they passed literally like four or five hours ago where people that are not um, taking to heart the necessary precautions for the coronavirus, like don't go have a picnic and uh, don't get into groups of more than, you know, like 15 people or 50 not people. Not social distancing. Yeah, not social distancing can get fined up to a thousand dollars. That's crazy. Yeah. I think it's time for that. I think so too. Because, um, and, and this is why, and I read this last night, and uh, I'm not going to lie, I haven't cried in a really long time. 
But this oh. almost made me cry. And it might make me cry just reading it. Reading it. It's a, it's a Facebook post that a Toronto doctor um, uploaded, which has gone viral. And it says, Dear friends, yesterday my father-in-law passed away. He had COVID-19. He is one of the first people, maybe the third, to pass away from this disease in Ontario. Up until just over a week ago, he was healthy. Despite his age of 77, he had no other health conditions. Still drove, still dropped off food for seniors, and took them to their shared place of worship every week. He was even still working at the same grocery in Little India that he's been operating for almost 40 years since he, he first came to Canada as a refugee from Uganda in the 70s. But he died in the ICU at our hospital, despite the amazing care he received from the exceptional nurses and doctors who looked after him. Despite being on a ventilator, COVID-19 took just seven days to take him away. My wife and I are frontline healthcare workers, which makes this time especially challenging. The night he was admitted, I had spent the day in meetings at our hospital to create a triage zone, triage zone for COVID-19 patients. I spent the next three nights working overnight in the emergency department, screening dozens of patients for COVID while also providing care to our usual sick and wounded, meticulously applying and removing protective equipment again and again to help prevent the spread of infection. We applied that same protection when we went to see my father-in-law too. Every time, no touching, no sitting in the room to comfort him, no long visits to talk and reminisce. The risk of infecting ourselves, our families, and our patients was too high. Shortly after my last overnight shift, he got worse. He drove back to the hospital to talk about his wishes for end-of-life care, and he was removed to the ICU, or he was moved to the ICU. The next day, he was placed on a ventilator because it was becoming impossible for him to breathe on his own. Yesterday, he expired. Seven days. He leaves behind a long legacy of love, faith, selflessness. This post is not an attempt to summarize any of the rich details that define his time on this earth, but part of me wants the legacy of how he died to be to help inform and educate others as to the real-life risk and the real-life toll that COVID-19 has on our friends, our families, and our communities at large. Please take all this information that you are receiving regarding COVID-19 seriously. I plead this with you, not only as a frontline emergency worker, but as a family member who has experienced firsthand a great loss from COVID-19. One, practice social distancing. Two, wash your hands and don't touch your face. Three, help advocate for the adequate supplies and protective equipment for healthcare workers. Four, speak with your loved ones regarding their wishes for end-of-life care now while they are healthy and well enough to make informed and rational decisions. And remember that the story of my father-in-law's passing will not be unique. Yes, he was elderly, but already in my hospital and across the GTA, um, which is known as the Greater Toronto Area, we are seeing critically ill patients across many decades of life, and some of them, some of them are younger than I am. Thanks for reading. We appreciate your support, both as professionals and as a family. Feel free to share with those you care about. That's that's intense. That's intense. And we, we're practicing social distancing, um, isolation. We're essentially quarantining ourselves. Mm -hmm. So 
um, outside of communicating with our with our friends and family um, via you know um, social media or by phone text message um, I, I don't know about you but I'm pretty fortunate that none of my friends or family are affected at this time affected by way of maybe not being able to go to their favorite coffee shop and drink coffee or be able to, you know, go out for dinner. But those are really minor, small luxuries. It makes you remember what's important. Exactly, exactly. Um, so that's the current state of affairs. Um, how are you feeling? You know, I'm very extroverted, but super introverted as well. Mm. So for me, this has not been the biggest challenge. I so you're like, so being isolated, being home alone often, um, and uh, I'm sure you're watching a lot of movies, and uh, you're also working from home. Yeah, uh, is not really taking a, a terrible toll on your extroversion side. No. Not That's at all. Good. I actually feel better that I don't have to go out and make plans because, <laughs> you know, it's a beautiful Saturday night or something like that. You feel yeah. like you're obligated to go out and do something. Um, so not having that option for me is personally uh, liberating, feeling like I could stay home um, and that's okay, even though I should already feel like that's okay. That's okay to I do. I can totally relate to that. I always have this... More so because I haven't been going out lately in contrast to when I was much younger, where it was, where am I going to go? Not a matter of whether I'm going to go or not. But lately, I've noticed when we have a get-together somewhere, uh, I would say easily an hour or two before I need to leave, um, I almost get sick to my stomach because I don't want to go. Definitely have that anxiety before I go. Yeah, but mind you, when I'm there, I'm when fine. When I'm there, I'm yeah. totally fine. When I'm there, I'm but right fine, up until the point like... where I want to leave, sometimes you, you, I don't know about you. I think this is quite common though, where um, sometimes I I get ready so early because I know that usually after I shower, I just start sweating. For no reason. And then essentially, I have to shower again. But then, <laughs> this is the thing. So, um, I'm ready to leave, right? I'm just kind of waiting. Uh, and then, I have that moment of, man, maybe I won't go. You definitely don't want to be that first person to show up. So, you're like, yeah. you're going to be fashionably late. <laughs> Interestingly, I am always the first person to show up. I make sure that I'm not. Often before the host. But anyways... <laughs> So yeah. this hasn't been a very difficult time for you, I all mean, things considered? I mean, it's only for me, I just have started, I guess, self-isolating since Thursday, so about, what, four days ago? Okay. Um, so it's still pretty fresh. I think it will start to get to me once it's like 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 days. Yeah. Um, just actually being like, okay, this is what mm. I'm doing. I think it might hit a little more real at that time. And it, it seems like that um, we're not actually going to be um, even allowed 
to kind of leave for the most part with the way things are going. I'm totally for that. I feel like people are taking advantage of the situation. They are seeing it as a holiday and maybe not so much for people our age, you know, 20s and 30s, but for the younger generations, you know, 15, 16 years old, they're at the malls, they're hanging out, they're in groups with yes, each other. that's right. And they don't really understand the seriousness of it because I'm sure they're not watching the news. They're not sure what's going on besides what Instagram is telling them or TikTok and what these people are telling them. But um, I think that's where the real problem lies where you have to put um, laws into place. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I thought this would be a good opportunity to help um, people kind of take advantage of this social isolation, um, this social distancing, because um, I know, you know, in January, people make New Year's resolutions, and I know a lot of people well, often they're almost like, making quarantine resolutions. Yeah, they are. They totally are. It's totally, like, I want to get healthier, I want to lose weight. When, you know, obviously because of the situation, people will resort to, like, even in myself, I've noticed, like, just excessive eating because A, I'm bored, or B, um, I have some concern or nervousness or fear, and it all resorts to eating. And I, I made this joke with you, and I, I, I make it again now. I now understand why people bought so much toilet paper because yeah, <laughs> everyone is just everyone's just <laughs> eating. Yeah. So um, I know that uh, this podcast, this very salacious podcast that um, I listen to, it's definitely a guilty pleasure. Uh, call her daddy. I knew you were gonna say that. The the one girl I can't remember her name. But they were talking about... Wait, the hot blonde or the brunette? The brunette. She's hot too. Yeah, they're both hot. <laughs> uh, they, the brunette, they were talking about New Year's resolutions. And uh, the brunette said she wanted to actually meditate more. I know she probably has not meditated once since making that statement on her podcast. But I know that this, this opportunity that we have where we're social distancing and we're at home... We're not doing anything. We've exhausted everything that you could possibly watch on Netflix. It is a really good opportunity to practice meditation. Definitely. And, um, well, before you joined us, I was uh, listening to another podcast I heard a long time ago um, by Jack Hornfield. A podcast is called Heart Wisdom. I highly recommend it. Uh, what I'm going to speak to was from episode 89 and it's with a gentleman by the name of, and I'm going to, I'm really going to butcher this. His name is Chad Meng Tang. Okay. We'll just leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> he was a software engineer for Google and, uh, his story, he is such a positive, happy a uh, laughy, jokey person, if you were to picture someone, um, especially for a software engineer. It's kind of like the last thing that you picture wow, when it comes goofy. to that profession. Goofy. Yeah. So um, as a Google software engineer, you are given this title once you reach kind of like the, the highest level of uh, software engineering. And you, instead of being called a 
you know, a software engineer, you are considered uh, a Google fellow. Oh. Right? And he always made this joke of, why be a Google fellow when you can be uh, a jolly good fellow? Oh, right? okay. <laughs> and he actually went as far as requests for business cards instead of his designation to say uh, Google fellow for it to actually say jolly good fellow. Oh and in brackets, he also included, and nobody can deny. Because you know that song on his business he's card. He's one of those old men that are just like, yeah, <laughs> so I'm funny. He's quite young, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, which is the funny part. Totally. <laughs> so he also considers himself a Buddhist. And uh, often when you uh, express that you, uh, you're Buddhist or you study Buddhism, there's always a question of like which branch of Buddhism. So for example... Like in uh, Christianity, you could be Roman Catholic, you can be, uh, you can be Christian, you can be uh, Protestant, so on and so forth. So he went on to say that he studied uh, Ther- uh, Theravada Buddhism, which is the oldest school of Buddhism, and uh, Tibetan Buddhism, and Zen Buddhism. And it was really interesting because when people would ask him, like, which ones kind of you resonate with more? And he goes, interestingly, none of them and all of them at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so he thought for him, based on all of his education and studying all three branches of Buddhism, he considered himself, uh, uh, so often, uh, often you'll hear like Theravada Buddhism, like um, they have these like uh, Sanskrit terms. Okay. And he came up with Hahayana. He because made it up? He made it up because he, he likes laughing, right? Right. He thinks there's a certain truth to laughter that is um, that you can't really disguise. Yeah, definitely. So the reason why I'm bringing this up is because obviously we have time. And you and I are really fortunate because we're neighbors. We could always just, you know, visit each other. Exactly. But for others that don't have that luxury, that are at home, and they've watched everything, like they've literally gone to the ends of the internet, um, is a really good opportunity for them to practice meditation. And the reason why I'm speaking to this is because this gentleman, um, this uh, jolly good fellow, as he uh, considers himself, um, has brought up some really good points that prove that during these times of crisis and unpredictability, it's when you start listening to your breathing that you're strengthening that that concentration muscle. And we know that when it comes to um, testing for a job, for school, for exams, for careers, um, you want to have a strong sense of concentration because it's when you lack that concentration, you're more often um, going to make mistakes. So just like working out, when you do bicep curls, you're, you're slowly strengthening that muscle. Similarly to meditation, when you focus your attention on your breathing, you're strengthening that muscle of concentration and focus, 
which will then all also translate to other benefits like reducing anxiety, um, like reducing fear, uh, becoming more calm, centered. And um, on a previous episode, I spoke to uh, an example of uh, how the Vietnamese refugees that were escaping the, their war-torn country, how how often they would their their journey to escape would end sooner than they wanted because everyone would panic during a terrible storm or if they were met with pirates, but the other refugee boats. Um, where people were trying to escape, even if one person remained centered and calm, that energy would be enough to calm everyone else and they would be able to kind of come together and then kind of get through whatever um, challenge they were confronted with. So um, for those of you who are not familiar with meditation or who don't know about it, it's it's not practicing a religion or anything like that. It's actually an opportunity for you to really kind of listen to yourself, examine your thoughts, really kind of focus on how you're doing. Because we all know in this crazy world, we're so busy with family, with money, with relationships, you know, that we we neglect a lot of the the necessities that we need to do for ourselves. What do you think? I, I know I've just been blabbering on for a long time, but... I mean, I totally understand what you're saying. Like, a calm person in a crowd would definitely create um, a similar reaction for the people around them. It could be totally calming. Um, so I think us just as humans and... Sometimes there's a small action you give, but showing that you're calm or you're staying isolated or that you have a good head on your shoulders could definitely um, affect the people around you. Exactly. <laughs> so um, we've kind of reached the, the length of my episodes. Is there <laughs> uh, anything you want to share or anything you want to say? want to talk about how you feel i don't know like i said i'm feeling pretty okay we'll see how maybe we'll check in next week and see if we're both losing our minds sure yeah <laughs> next week it'll be it'll just be you and it goes i had to kill kevin because <laughs> he was going crazy yeah. no yeah but um so uh we're just gonna wrap up the episode there i just want to remind all of you in and around the toronto area if you have access to um, medical supplies like uh, gloves, uh, if you are one of those um, toxic hoarders that were trying to hand sanitizers, uh, hand sanitizers toilet yeah, toilet paper, trying to make money off of it, and perhaps you've been banned from Costco or banned off of Amazon, please consider donating that to your local hospitals because. The real problem with this epidemic or this pandemic is the fact that not that, you know, it's just killing every single person it's, it's infecting, but it's that the hospitals are not prepared to take on the number of sick people that are showing up. And um, 
health, frontline healthcare workers are also being infected by this uh, pandemic. I believe there's been 12 confirmed cases of healthcare workers in Ontario that have coronavirus. Was there? Yeah. And so it's like if the people that we rely on to save us and uh, help us get through this, uh, this virus are getting sick themselves, then that's, that's the real problem. So um, I know there's been uh, a call out by, I think the, one of the chief medical um, managers or, or, or whatever for uh, hospitals to ask that you consider uh, donating uh, gloves, masks, um, even even lab coats they're asking for. Really? Yeah. Might have a couple <laughs> storage lockers. So uh, please consider um, what you already have and uh, if you have anything to spare because the, the real problem is overwhelming our, our healthcare system. And uh, that's the real concern. So with that, I hope you and your loved ones stay safe. I really appreciate that you're listening. And if you have any questions or concerns, you can always contact me at nthpod at gmail.com. That's nthpod at gmail.com. Thank you. Thank you.